Hi, this is 10 Minutes to Better Patient Communication. I'm Dr. Anne-Marie Liebel. Are we using technical terms that are not appropriate for any patient? This was a physician group administrator talking with me on the phone. This group had reached out to me and I was asking about the problems they were facing. This was one of the first things the administrator said. I hear versions of this question from many providers. You know by now that high-quality patient-provider communication is a key element of a patient's health. But we all, patients and providers, have been socialized into various ways of thinking about and talking about health, well-being, and health care. Part of your role as a health professional is to recognize every one of us has what we consider normal or natural ways of talking about health. I'm here to help you start to become more aware of your own language and your patients so you can be more effective in the ways you communicate with all patients. Welcome to 10 Minutes to Better Patient Communication with Dr. Anne-Marie Liebel. Providing you with tips and strategies you can use to improve your patient engagement. I'm excited to announce a new audiobook bundle, Addressing Implicit Bias. It's almost 90 minutes of audio, plus an ebook with clickable links to research references, plus a PowerPoint show, plus a document of references and additional resources. I made it for you, so you know it's grounded in my commitment to equity and reducing health disparities. And it's inexpensive. Available right now for immediate download on healthcommunicationpartners.com. All right, first, when it comes to technical terms, don't beat yourself up. It can be tempting to think about communication as simply the transfer of information. Imagine, it's like, I have this thing. It's information, and I want to give it to you so you can have it too. So I'm going to communicate with you. I'll talk to you or give you something to read or look at. And there we go. Done. Kind of like sharing chocolate or photos of your pets. I have it and I give it to you. And now you have it too. Except ideas and information. Don't travel between people as neatly as pocket snacks or funny photos. I've written before about how one of the biggest trip hazards in health communication is the specialized language used in medicine. Like the physician group administrator indicated, this specialized language of technical terms isn't appropriate for any patient, regardless of their social or cultural background. But communication difficulties aren't limited to those times providers are talking with patients. Across and within groups of health professionals, the terminology is different. In short, people's ways of approaching, thinking about, talking about, and doing health, wellness, and healthcare are different. We're socialized into the ways we talk, think, act, and more. And over time, we come to inhabit these ways as normal. Take a moment and remember the socialization processes around some of your professional knowledge, all those new ways of talking and thinking. Can you remember what was your language like before then? 
Now, in health communication, we want people to understand something that we believe is important to their health and well-being. There are several steps to this process. Being aware of your normal and what you take for granted is a massively important first step. So let's take a look at what you're taking for granted when it comes to some of the words you frequently use. It can be tricky to stand back and look at your own language, but that's why I'm here. And I'm going to turn to one of my favorite sages, Jim G. G is very good at exposing some of what we take for granted when we communicate, read, watch, play video games, and more. If you're hardcore into thinking that communication is a simple transfer of information, spoilers ahead. Let's see as G pulls back the curtain on what we take for granted about something as seemingly simple as what words mean. He writes, quote, Meaning is not a thing that sits fixed in the mind. It is not something that sits in dictionaries nor does it reside in the minds of experts and well-educated people, to the exclusion of others. Rather, meaning is primarily the result of social interaction, negotiations, contestations, and agreements among people. It is inherently variable and social, end quote. And I have a link to the resource here in the notes. For nearly a century now, researchers concerned with language have known that meaning is locally made dependent on context. So rather than examining language in abstraction from its actual everyday use, many linguists and language researchers conduct detailed examinations of language as it's used by real people in real life. To put it another way, in order to understand the particular meaning and significance of a word or phrase, how it functions, and its practical uses, we would have to know the context in which it was used. It's hardly surprising that the various contexts that surround us when we talk, read, listen, and write are what give language its meaning and significance. Our own experiences tell us that the same word or phrase, spoken in different situations, can have different meanings and significance. This is, again, because meaning is locally made. Take coffee, for instance. (laughs) Again, I'm going to turn to Professor G. Quote, In fact, most words do not have fixed meanings. Take even so simple a word as coffee. If I say, the coffee spilled, go get a mop, I am talking about a liquid. If I say, the coffee spilled, go get a broom, I am talking about beans or grains. If I say, the coffee spilled, stack it again, I am talking about tins or cans. If I say, coffee growers exploit their workers, I am talking about coffee berries and the trees they grow on, end quote. The funny thing is, we all know this. We just don't often have to stop and think about this quality of language. Like I said, we're socialized into the ways we talk, think, act, and more, and we tend to work with, hang out with, 
and otherwise be surrounded by folks who talk, think, and act in ways kind of similar to ours. Much of what we do with language escapes our conscious awareness. We rely on assumptions and ways of talking, acting, and being that we use almost automatically. That's not to say we're doomed to life on autopilot, or that the meaning of everything is totally up for grabs, though sometimes both of those things feel true. It might help to think of words and phrases in everyday use as carrying general meanings around with them. The many possible meanings of the word coffee, for instance. You knew about all of those and probably some more. When we hear or see a word, we choose from among these possible meanings based on our specific context. In other words, we choose one meaning from among all the potential meanings we know a word may hold by using cues from our specific situation. The problem comes when we think other people share our same meaning. And this is easy to do because, as I said earlier, we're generally surrounded by folks who more or less do share our same meaning. But you have power here. Let's take the patient encounter as an example. You get to be clear with each other about what words mean. You have the chance to make sure there is shared meaning around important terms, like medical jargon, words that sound alike, figurative language, especially metaphors, terms that have one meaning in everyday life and a different meaning in a medical context, like critical and orientation, and those quirky names that pharmaceutical companies give their products. But wait, there's more. As I've pointed out before, in the patient encounter, you have first say in determining what's on the conversational table. Another way of putting this, you have more power to make topics talkaboutable. So use that power to find out what you both are thinking or assuming about the meanings of terms. For instance, check your own understanding of your patient's perspective. If I hear you right, what you mean is this. Use your patient's words back to them as closely as you can get to what your patient actually said. Like, I heard you call it X. And ask clarifying questions about differences in meaning. You mentioned X. Tell me about that. Your patient conversations are places where words have meaning. So don't let autopilot take over, because trouble comes when you and your patient do not share an understanding of the meaning of a word. This has been 10 Minutes to Better Patient Communication. I'm Dr. Anne-Marie Liebel. Thanks for listening to 10 Minutes to Better Patient Communication from Health Communication Partners, LLC. Find us at healthcommunicationpartners.com.